0: Angela probably thought, "Jonathan, you listen to that all the time." And I said, "That's." I had a woman one time. She was a, she was a uh, actually a lady that was prophetic from uh, Africa, and I was uh, in a church one time, and she came up to me and she said, Do "You know what?" She said, "God showed me something about you," and I thought, "Oh boy." <laughs> She said, I see you in the floor weeping and crying on your face. And she said, and I don't know why that is. God won't tell me. She said, but all I see is you on the floor weeping and crying. And I thought, you know, there's there's something down deep inside of me And I would hope in you too and I believe in you that it's inside of you too that yearns to be holy, that desires and cries to be holy, that desires and longs to be righteous and pure before God and in his sight and pleasing, amen, pleasing. But oh, how we fail at that. Amen. If you say, oh, no, I, I don't. I walk up right. Then come, please take the mic. You be the pastor, please. Because I can tell you, I haven't I haven't conquered pleasing God. I haven't conquered everything in my life. And I know that it's a walk of faith, a life of faith, running this race until we take our last breath. And I was praying yesterday and seeking the Lord. Because I think, I'm just being transparent with you. Please stay here with me. I, 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 I lay in the floor and I cry out to God because, you know, as the pastor, there's 100, 150 people that come every week that sit in this church. And if there's ever been a reason why I wanted to just hightail it and run, it's because of the weight and the demand of making sure that you live a life pleasing before God and set an example privately and publicly and that you also come and you prepare and you get along with God to make sure that you have a word for people. Because I remember going to church and sitting under a pastor 23 years ago. And I remember sitting on that front row and just thinking, feed me, preacher, feed me, talk to me, minister to me. And uh, today um, as I come and I preach to you, I want you to know that I lay before God and I bled my heart out. That's exactly what I said to God. I'm bleeding my heart out to you, Lord. And I'm asking you to begin to minister to this congregation today. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that, that there's some people in here this morning, if not every one of us, that, that can identify with what I'm going to say. Amen. In Exodus chapter 16, I want you to turn there with me. Exodus 16 and verse Four, And while you're turning there, uh, when you get there, say amen. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God's good all the time, and he does good. Exodus 16, verse 4. And this is what it says. Let's pray and then we'll read the word. Father, we thank you for this time to come to exalt you, to worship you, to break open the bread of life. And I pray that you will bring the anointing upon my life, God, that only you can give and bring. And I pray that you'll stir the heart of each and every hearer and God that we will, you know, uh, glean from it and will grow and will be touched by it and change. Lord, let it challenge us. We need a challenge. We need a chastening from you, Lord. We need a challenge in the word, God, in our lives so that we don't live mediocre lives spiritually, Lord, but we live as overcomers, Lord. And I pray that you will will bring that anointing that will bless this congregation today through your word. And we thank you and give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. It says in Exodus 16, verse 4, it says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. I'll go down to verse 10, and it says, And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness. Okay, that's a very important statement. They looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the clouds. So that means that God will show up in your wilderness. And we're all going through a wilderness sometimes. Amen? Amen. And then uh, uh, verse 11 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At Even uh, you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And then verse 15, and this is the main text I want you to get today, and it says this And when the children of Israel saw it, they saw the manna falling, or saw it there on the ground, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Now I want to preach for just a moment here, just a little bit, on. The thought or the title of this message is, what is this? What is this? And um, great miracles had happened, we know, for the children of Israel. God had heard their groaning cry. And they had, they had risen up to heaven to the degree that God began to respond. And uh, what was so awesome is, number one, that God heard their cry. Number two, he raised up a deliverer. For them, He raised up Moses, made sure that he was preserved whenever they were killing babies, male babies in in, uh, Egypt, Pharaoh was. But God preserved him and raised up a deliverer. And then he delivered them because he sent Moses into Egypt to begin to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, I was praying the other day and the Lord reminded me of how Moses went to the burning bush. And the great I am said, go. And tell Pharaoh, let my people go. The I am, that's the Almighty that can do anything, the I am. He is everything you will ever need. And he said, go in this power, Moses. Go and tell and speak to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. The power that was in him began to speak to the most powerful world leader at that time, which was Pharaoh. And he said, let my people go. Now, it didn't happen at first, but it did happen. Amen? Amen. God began to break, and layer by layer by layer by layer, one plague after another after another, God began to move, and before you knew it, Pharaoh and his power was broken completely. There was a crack that was put a chink in his armor, I would say, Uh, you know, of that which he had, which was his, you know, uh, the power that he had. But when, when Moses went in and he said, let my people go, God began to move. Just powerfully, and so but he sent a deliverer to deliver the children of Israel from that bondage. He heard their cry, and then as he delivered them, he split the Red Sea for them so they could walk over on dry land, over into uh come into the promised land. Now they didn't get there for 40 years, but they eventually got there. The second generation did. But if you read, you see how God, one miracle after another, began to provide for the children of Israel. Israel he brought water he t- actually turned the water that was bitter at Mara. he threw in a tree that's what God told him to do that tree represents the cross the cross will make those bitter places amen pleasant uh, salvation will come through the work of the cross and the power of the cross that's why we must preach the cross but we must also preach the the resurrection because it's power amen it's power unto us but he made the bitter waters water drinkable in uh, chapter 15 verse 25 of exodus and now he brings down or rains down manna to feed them Uh, from heaven. It's an awesome thing. God responded to their need. Now we could go on and on and talk about how their clothes didn't wear out, their feet, their shoes didn't wear out. You know, that meant that, uh, you know, that God was providing for them and taking care of them in every area. He had direction. He gave them a cloud by day, a fire by night, and they just began to operate with God's total protection in every area of their life. It was God's gracious provision that he sent this manna, though. And this is what I want to focus on today. God's gracious provision that he sent this manna and that it came. And it was welcomed. The manna was welcomed here as a surprise. It was welcomed as a new thing. It was welcomed as a fresh discovery. It was welcomed as a great blessing and God's great provision. Isn't that wonderful? God meets us and He touches us in a meeting and in a service or in a prayer meeting or in our car or wherever, but you've had an encounter with God and it was the first time, I want you to think about it, the first time God ever touched you, the first time He ever ministered to you. Some of you it may have been last week. Some of you it may have been four months ago. Some of you it may have been 25 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, but at one time God touched you and it was fresh. It was new. It was a new discovery. It was a surprising thing you had never experienced before. Amen. But God did that in you and he touched you in a powerful way. So that's what happened whenever they had the manna. And remember that what manna represents or what it is uh, in the Hebrew is what, actually it's what, or what is this? What is it? Go over to Numbers 11. I'm going somewhere. Stay here with me. I know I've heard from God. It's a build-up. Numbers 11, verse 4. This is what the Bible says. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. Who is the mixed multitude? That was the half-breeds. That was the, <laughs> the riff That was the rabble that came out of Egypt with them. Amen. That there, there are people that are strong Christians and great influences on you, and they're a great uh, uh, example unto you. They're your friends. They're people that, you, you know, that, that, that are strong Christian faithful believers. And then there are people in your life that with some people have great influence on you and if you're having a low moment they take you in the direction they're going. Depends on where you're at where you're going to go in God. Okay? The Bible says in the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting and the children of Israel also wept again and said who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. We remember the spicy food. We remember how good it tasted. We remember, you know, they're going back and and they're allowing that memory to be greater than what God has done in, in them and before them. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. So we come to a place where what was a surprise, what was a blessing, what was a discovery from God or a provision that was a blessing where God met them and ministered to their need. Now they become bored with it. Now they become bored with it. Boredom set in and they begin to be complaining about the, the provision of God. Why? Because the mixed multitude began to influence them with a the spirit of worldliness and discontentment. With God's wonderful provision. You know, I got saved, and there was a girl that I was hanging out with. She was not my girlfriend, but she got me in a lot of trouble. She got me in a lot of trouble. I mean, even illegal trouble and all of this, you know, because you you, you hang around with dogs, you're going to end up with fleas. <laughs> Amen. And so I but I hung around, uh, you know, and we got in trouble and did all of our stuff or whatever, all of our nonsense and foolishness. But when I got saved, I went to church and she came one time with me. But after that, she said, "I, I don't want to go there. I don't like that church. And I thought, well, I got saved here. And I'm going to stay here, you know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, continue to go with the mixed multitude. If you haven't made up your mind, I've made up my mind to serve God. And we parted ways, and it was a severing that God allowed to take place. I didn't have to get rid of my friends. They got rid of me. Okay? But you got to be very careful because the enemy will make sure that there are people around you that want to pull you away from your steadfastness and from your faithfulness. And so we see here the mixed multitudes got them thinking about Egypt, them thinking about what they used to have instead of the provision that God provided for them. And then go over to Numbers chapter 21. And in Numbers 21, it grew even worse the Bible says in Numbers 21, verse 5, that the people spake against, Mo, against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Numbers 21, 5. He said, For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore, uh, the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and let it... Set it on a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. So we know that Moses made a serpent of brass, put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. He lived. If you read this and you know this from Scripture, uh, it began to grow worse. Their, 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 Their boredom, uh, went from a place of uh, they went from a place of, of discovery and excitement and happiness in what God had provided to a place of boredom, to a place where they began to loathe and detest and, and they grew tired and weary, disgusted with the manna that God had provided for them. There are people when they first got saved, they were so happy with the greatest, simplest little blessings of God. And today, they're disgruntled and murmuring and complaining in their life 20 years later. Okay? And and, and we see this. It just goes to show how any one of us can go from that newfound discovery, newfound joy, newfound recognition of God's blessing and provision, I will even say uh, a soft, tender heart or attitude that we had at one time uh, to boredom with God and the spiritual life, to disdain, disgust, and outright disrespect for God and His servants. That's exactly what happened here. Let me just share with you that is human nature. That is the natural man. That is the carnal man. That is the selfish flesh man without the Spirit guiding and directing him. Amen. You will find yourself growing, uh, you know, uh, growing weary of your relationship in your marriage if you do not walk in the Spirit. Let me say it again. You'll find yourself growing disgruntled or or dissatisfied or a lot of things if you don't stay in the Spirit. amen? Amen? If you don't stay walking in the Spirit, you'll find yourself years down the road saying, I don't want nothing to do with them anymore. I'm not interested in them anymore. They don't look as good as they used to look, you know, back in the day. Well, let me tell you something. You don't either. You ain't got all your teeth like you had. Come on now. I'm not even going to go any further, amen. I'm just going to keep it there. I'm just saying that we grow disgruntled with things, amen. I remember, you know, you remember when you first got saved and you, you, you know, your credit was so bad. You had to have a cosigner to pay cash and you, you know, you, you went and you, you went and you, you, you bought that. You finally got that new car, that newer car. And it took everything to get that, you know. And I mean, you were so happy. You were so content for the longest time. And then you get to the place where nothing satisfies you anymore. Come on now. Look, I'm talking about myself. I'm telling you. We can become so disgruntled and so unhappy. And God blesses us so much in so many areas. But let's focus on the spiritual part this morning. What people don't realize is when we rebel and reject and go against God, there's always judgment. And that judgment came. And that judgment came. And the judgment was the fiery serpents at that time in verse 6. And they bite with poison meant to kill. And they do bite. And they're even biting now. Satan is very... Very hard at work to poison people with the venom to pull them back to the world. Are you hearing me? Amen. Hear me today. God told Moses the remedy. We read it in verses eight through nine. He said, "Put, uh, you know, a, that brass serpent there, or that brazen serpent up there on that pole, and wherever, whenever they get bit, they can go and they can look at that pole. If you, and they'll be healed. If you." If you will remember in John chapter three in verses fourteen and fifteen, Jesus said, "He said the Son of Man will be lifted up, just like in uh, the just like in the book of Numbers, or just like in the days of Moses, whenever the fiery serpents were created because of judgment or as a judgment, and as they begin to look at that brazen serpent, they begin to be healed." He said, "Just like that, the Son of Man." Is going to be lifted up. Jesus is going to be put on a cross and he's going to be the answer to everything that we need. The snake pipe, the poison, the venom will not harm you. Amen. If you look to that cross, if you look to Jesus, he is the answer. Amen. He said, just as he was, just as that brazen serpent was raised up, the Son of Man is going to be raised up and put on a cross. Amen. He's going to become sin for us. So that we can be free from sin And flesh and self and the devil And Jesus revealed that How he became our remedy Why did I share all of this I'm going somewhere Because we can go from what is this To what is this We can go from what is this What is this To what is this We can go from a question mark to an exclamation point. (laughs) What changes the whole dynamic and tone of that sentence or statement is the punctuation on the end. (laughs) It could be, oh my gosh, what is this? This is awesome. What, oh my gosh, to, what is this? This manna. I'm sick of this manna. Amen. Church, we're living this life, and it's a wilderness we're cutting through. We ain't in the promised land yet. I'm going to tell you something. And people that say, well, you know, if I just had a bigger house and I just had a little more money and I had a better car and I had a better job and I had more money in my bank account, if I could just lose a little weight, if I could just have a little nicer clothes or I could have this or have that, if I could, you know, if, if, if things were just a little bit different, you know, a, a, a my life would be better. It would be blessed. I'm going to tell you something. You can't make heaven here upon this earth. Every day is a fight of faith. It's fighting the good fight of faith to maintain that place and to stay there in God. Amen. Amen. Why did I share this? Because we go from what is this to what is this? From a question mark to an exclamation point. And the Bible is full of exhorts to keep us in this holy, glorious faith. Just in the New Testament alone, he said, don't draw back unto perdition. I'm giving you snippets of scriptures. Don't put your hands to the plow and look back because the Bible says you're not fit for heaven. Don't leave your first love. Yeah, hallelujah. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Beat your body under, Paul said, lest your faith be shipwrecked or you be a castaway and you run in vain this race and be a castaway yourself. He also said, let not the grace of God be in vain. So there's a possibility that we can come to a place of of just apostasy or a backslidden heart. And I know people that have told me I sat in church and backslid on a church chair. Let that not be said about us. Let it not be said about us because this preacher loves you. I love you so much that I'm going to tell you right now that it concerns me to make sure that I preach to you preach to you to exercise you unto godliness the five fold ministry is to edify the body amen until we come to that perfect place that perfect that perfect faith that perf- perfection and one day we'll arise on, arrive on streets of gold and we'll be in his presence and it'll be there at that time but all along the way we're supposed to strive we're supposed to make sure that we you know endure to the very end to be saved we're to strive we're to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling we're not to allow anything to interrupt our steadfastness or our faith amen we got to make sure that we, 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 we have our face set like a flint we don't turn away now listen I want you to go to Psalms 143 with me so we're going to get to a good part I said praise God this is exciting Psalms 143, this is a beautiful psalm, and it doesn't start out so hot, but it turns around in the middle of it, and it just goes to show you how that God can change the circumstances in our heart, He can change our spirit, He can change everything, He can give us a faith, and and He can give us a faith, and He can change the trajectory of where we're headed spiritually. Amen. Amen. He loves you so much. He loves us. The Bible says that uh, he's married to the backslider. <laughs> says he's married to us. Amen. I've loved you with an everlasting love, he said. It's in the word of God. But David begins to say in Psalms 143, and, and this is a short uh, or this in short is the battle of the flesh and the spirit like between Saul and David. If you know your Bible, you know Saul was always after the flesh. David was always after the things of the Spirit. He was a spirit man. Saul was a flesh man. He numbered Israel. He didn't care about really pleasing God. He looked at religion or he looked at the, 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 the sacrifices as, as just kind of a necessary thing, but just get it done and get it over with. That's why... I don't like to marry people that don't want the Spirit of God to be in their ceremony. I want the Holy Ghost to be in their ceremony. Amen. You got people that are like, you know, just, we just want to keep it short, or a funeral service, so like, come in and just say whatever real quick and just get it over. I've had them tell me, I don't want a hard sale. I don't want you to come down hard on nobody. I thought, you know what? I'm a preacher that's going to stand before God one day, and you're wanting me to soft pedal the fact that there's people sitting in the congregation that are not right with God. <laughs> And you want me to send them to hell because you're afraid of how they're going to respond or react. I can't do that because I have to please God. Amen. I don't go in there and just go in there with a, with a hammer and a, you know, a beating people up. But I preach to them the reality of the fact That one day you're going to stand before God and I've got you at a moment right now that you've never been before. You're so ripe. You're so ripe. Heaven and hell, eternity, death is all on your mind. Now I've got to take advantage of that while I can. And you're going to tell me I can't. You're going to silence me? No. No, no. I don't want to preach a funeral where I can't be myself. I can't preach like God wants me to, where the Holy Spirit is not welcome. I don't want to do a ceremony where it's just a necessary waste in your eyes. I don't like to use the word necessary evil because I don't like to consider myself evil. But a necessary element of the service, but not the most important. The most important is the party. Not Delia and Santo. No, we're coming in this place in worship because this is about God being at the center of our relationship, and the presence of God will be here. Amen. We've started a trend in this church when you're gonna a lot of people when you when they get married they want worship before they even start the ceremony. The Holy Spirit will be there to minister in that ceremony. Because it's not just something we're going through to just say, stamp it, sign it. Let's you just, you know, I'll, I can find another minister. Well, go ahead, but you're not gonna find one that feels about how I feel concerning you. And I know you. I want to be here. I want God to be here. I want his spirit to be here. It's important. But Saul and David, one was spirit, one was flesh. And church, this is our constant battle as Christians between whether we will live in our flesh or live a life in the spirit. The flesh is an enemy to your spirit, man. Don't ever forget it. That's why we're going to have fasting and prayer this next week, and that's that's the element of, of uh, this part of the message where I want you to know that that's why we come in fasting and prayer because we want to we want to deny ourselves of food and of of everything that would you know, corrupt us or come to try to uh, corrupt our fervency in God. Put that fire out. You want to be sensitive to God again? Turn the plate over. Give it a day. You'll be weeping and crying in the prayer meeting again. You'll be speaking in tongues again. God will turn that sensitivity on. Just give it one day. Turn the plate over. Whatever God deals with you to fast, you fast. I know it's food, okay? Don't somebody say, well, you know, it's everything but food. No, it's food. It starts there. But, some, but everybody should turn off their social media. Turn off their social media. Silence it. Amen. Turn off the TV. You can go a week without watching your favorite news. The world will go on, and you will go up. Amen. Amen. Put aside your hobby. Put aside this. Give God that time to fast and pray and and, and, and reboot, reset yourself spiritually. That's what this is all about. And, and October's one of the most, really statistically, one of the most evil and wicked months of the year. That's why we got to fast and pray in this month. Amen. But... Your flesh is an enemy to your spirit, man. And I just want to say this before I continue with my message. You fast as God leads you to fast. You say, I'm going to fast, you know, a day, two days. I'm going to fast all week. I'm going to fast, you know, my breakfast and lunch. And then I'll eat after 5 o'clock. But I'm going to fast and pray during that time. I don't know, uh, you know. You, I don't know where you're at. I, I know that, that that's between you and God, but you need to fast and pray. And don't just turn the plate over and do something else. No, pray and read whenever you would normally eat. You'll be crying in a day or two. Lord will touch you. A well, people come in and they just weep and cry in the service, but I don't feel God. You will. Because your flesh man dies, your spirit man comes alive. Amen. David speaks of the, of the hardships in Psalms 143, verses 3 through 4. He says here, For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I want you to think about that. He says there's this persecution of the soul. I, I, I remember, that's... What is eternal in you and me? The enemy is after that which is eternal. Your soul is eternal. You and I have a living soul. We are a living soul. The enemy wants to destroy that and take that to hell. And so he's going to come against us to try to bring us low. The children of Israel went from a place where they were happy and they were in, in discovery mode and surprised and rejoicing in the blessing of God to a place where they disregarded it and they were bored with it. The enemy tries to come in that place between excitement between a question mark and a punct- and an exclamation point to try to pull us down you cannot let him do that but David is just in short sharing these are the things that I'm going through I'm going through persecution and persecution comes from the external but the enemy wants to invade you to the depth of your soul and your spirit to pull you down There's people that have everything going okay on the outside. But inside, they're struggling. Inside, they're low. Inside, they're saying, God, I want to be where I used to be. Amen. Listen. He said, I'm knocked to the ground. I'm dwelling in darkness. David was dwelling in darkness, not just in caves because he was constantly hiding in a cave to keep himself from being murdered by Saul and his army. But the darkness is the dark thoughts, the dark apprehensions, the clouds of melancholy and the the hopelessness and helplessness. And he states that here in this scripture. you got to see the wounding in his life before you can see the blessing. This is where... I'm at, and he says, My heart, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. I feel so desolate uh, in my heart. I, it's a spiritual oppression when, when all you have is spiritual memories. I can tell you, you don't have anything present right now that you're rejoicing over. Think about it. I've said it before. We have to have fresh faith. We have to have fresh testimonies. Amen. We need to have that. But some people, all they have is a memory. He said in verse 5, I remember the days of old. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I'm use on the work of thy hands. I want you to think about this for just a second. Here's where David begins to see everything change. This is the shift. This is the page turn. It's the turning point in verse 5. He said, I remember and meditate on all thy works. I'm use on the works of thy hands. I remember your past works. I remember your past words to me. I remember the moments and the times past where you met me. I remember God when I was at camp and you filled me with the Holy Ghost. I remember when I was in my car and you helped me to break through in prayer and the Holy Ghost. I remember when I was going through one of my lowest times and Lord, you ministered to me and you told me. You gave me a word of of, of hope. You gave me a word of faith. You gave me a word that encouraged me. You carried me through. You showed me, amen. There's, There's some people that are depending or relying only on their remembrance of God and you can't live there and have a faithful, fresh new testimony but thank God for the memories and the landmarks because they remind us of what God did in the past they give us a confidence of where he's brought us from amen praise God praise God hallelujah hallelujah it's an awesome thing to have that memory he says I'm use or I absorb myself in what you can do what I remember you can do you've done it before you can do it again he can do it again he's a faithful God church listen he said in verse uh, f- uh, 6 I stretch forth my hands unto thee my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. Look at the at the scriptures here he starts out complaining he starts out with trouble and with disdain and discouragement. This is where I'm at I'm being persecuted but sometimes hey man in those times you gotta remember where God brought you from and pick yourself up. David's when my heart is overwhelmed within me lead me to the rock that's higher than I there was a time whenever he did not have encouragement in his life and he had to encourage himself in the Lord he had to say I remember where God brought me from I'm letting all of these thoughts begin to sink down deep in me and absorb all of what God has done what he's done before he will do again Oh, yes. I just want you to see he went from that place of desperation, that place of discouragement to where he said, I'm starting to get it, amen. I'm starting to get encouraged. It's like those eagles down there picking up that mead out of that wilderness, picking up that mead in that moping period. If you don't pick up the mead, if you are reminded, amen, that you can soar one more time, you will not come out of that moping place. But if you'll hear God, hear what he says, remember what he's done. Oh, you will live. He said, I remember the days of old. Woo, I'm meditating on them. God's reminded me many times, remember my word, know my word. Know my word. You don't need somebody to come and give you a word. You need to know the word. Amen. You don't need somebody to come up to you and say, Yea, I say unto thee. The word of God says, Yea, I say unto thee. The word of God is a word of truth. The word of God will give you that hope and that strength. That is what you need. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Mighty God. Church, every Christian experiences these times. You can die there, or you can let your desperate cry become a cry of faith and hope. <sighs> God turns it somewhere when that seed of faith comes alive. Amen, amen. The Spirit of God falls upon it. The Spirit of God waters it. And all of a sudden, you begin to come alive. Amen, 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 amen. Oh, he said, hear me speedily. That's faith and hope. That's saying God is going to hear me. There's a hope there. And then in verse 8, he says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Cause me. That's grace. For God to cause you to do something four verses prior you couldn't do. Cause me. Cause me. I've prayed before and said, God, cause this person to go to prayer. Cause them. There was one time we had prayer and fasting. And there was a lady in the church, there was a, a, a woman in the church, and I began to pray. And I said, God calls her to have a hunger for you, calls her to have a desire for you, calls her to come to the prayer meetings. And you know, the very, God answered quick, the very next morning she was sitting in the, in the church by herself, I was up here in the front, but she was sitting in the church praying and crying out to God. I thought, my God, he said, I can give grace to cause people to do what they could not and would not and did not do before. He can cause your spouse to have a love for you when they didn't have it. Let me say it again because the Lord's just speaking to my heart. He can cause your spouse that you are convinced doesn't love you anymore, doesn't care, isn't interested, to have a love for you. He can put that love there. You know Aunt Maida, R-I-P, amen, Aunt Maida, she went home to be with the Lord, but she said, I was on my way with, with divorce papers in my hand. She said, I was done. I was divorced and Chuck, it was over. And she said, as I was walking down there, she said, the Spirit of God dealt with me. And he said, don't do this. She said, I don't love him. He don't love me. She said, "She said God told her, I could put that love back in you. She said, yeah, but you're God and I'm not. And he said, I could do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you're able to think or even begin to ask. I can change the heart of a man or a woman I can change the heart of that person I can take that backslidden heart and begin to stir it up again where it feels again where it loves again where it desires God again I can put that down deep in somebody she said I threw those papers in the trash and I went home and I said Chuck God's going to have to put a love in my heart for you And he did. She buried him after fifty eight years of marriage. Still called him her honey. God knows how to make them cute again. Had a woman in counseling one time. She slapped her husband on the knee. She said, I'll tell you, he's, just, he's cute again. I thought, whatever it takes, sister. Amen. Amen. He looked the same to me. God knows how to change that person's heart. Oh, Let me finish here. Because David says, hallelujah. Hear me speedily. Cause me. Are you ready? This is the best one. He said, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Cause me to hear that tug on my heart that you love me. Oh, have you been there where you didn't want to get up in the morning and pray? But have you been there whenever God began to whisper in your ears, you opened up your eyes, it's time to get up and pray. Let's go have our time alone together. Have you been there? Have you experienced that? Amen. I've been there. Hallelujah. I lost it at one time. But there came a time when I regained it again. And Sister Skyle, she says, what's wrong with you? I'm over there weeping. I said, God is touching my heart. Heart again. He proved to me that He's not done with me. He proved to me that He doesn't throw the clay away. He proved to me that He still loves me and He still cares about me. And I feel His loving kindness right now. I feel it so powerful. I feel it so rich in my heart. He's caused me one more time to feel what I lost. He never changed, I changed. But he brought me back where he's at. Amen. Oh, my God. He said, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Woo! Hallelujah. Woohoo! Calls me. And trust begins to return. When you trust God, He'll give you the grace to trust people again. As you say, they come to me and they said, please forgive me. And you said, I forgive you. But in the back of your mind saying, I'll never trust you again. You didn't say it. But that's what you thought. And God is saying, I will heal that soul wound. Oh, I'm getting there. Cause me to know thy way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. You know, I lift up my soul unto thee. What you're saying is, God, shape and mold and make my soul. Make me like you, Lord. Touch me. Make me like you. Make me that vessel that can feel and house your presence again, your spirit. Yeah, sometimes I cry. Sometimes I hurt. Sometimes I come to the place where I realize, you know what? You come to church, but down deep inside, you put on your new life face. And nobody knows. I'm not necessarily talking about deep sin, although it can be sometimes. People are in deep sin, and that brought them there. Some people are backslid sitting here today. And you don't even know it. That's the tragedy. There's no desire for God. You're not where you were at one time. You used to weep in an altar. You used to pray. You used to worship. Amen. Now you don't care anymore. But you've convinced yourself that just because you accepted the Lord or you went to an altar at one time and you asked God to forgive you, that today you're okay. But let me tell you, you don't have faith like you had at one time. And we have to die in the faith. You're making it works, Pastor. No, I'm not. He said in his word, the Apostle Paul said, I kept the faith. We must be keepers of the faith. You understand the faith that was once delivered to the saints. We got to stay in that. We got to stay in the love of God. Jude said, we got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Jude said, he said, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Stay in that place of faith because where you're at right now, is not where you were. And if you're not where you were, but you're beyond or back from where you were, your are backslid. Let it sink in deep. And this morning, I'm going to say it before I get to the altar call. Don't let your pride keep you in your chair. Because you don't know when you're going to take your next breath. Amen. But hear me. He said, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know thy way. Wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord. From my enemies I flee to unto thee to hide me cause me to know the way wherein I should walk I'm lifting up my soul you know we lift up our needs our physical needs I need my house payment made God where are you I need my car payment made my job's looking kind of iffy I need you to intervene God we have all of these things that are external needs meanwhile Our spirit man is dead. He says, deliver me. You know, he knows how to hide us in the cleft of the rock, in the palm of his hand. In verse 10, he says, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Do you see how David went from a discouraging place to a place of faith, to a place where he's proclaiming and he's praying and he's declaring the 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 work of God to take place. Last week, in the prayer, before we started, I opened up that church service and a lot of people didn't even pay attention. But I declared, I said, Somebody's going to get saved this morning. Speak it. Speak it. And guess what? Somebody got saved. Not only did they get saved, but they got baptized. Amen. And they're, you know how you know they got saved and they got right? They're sitting here this morning. Amen. When God saves you, you don't say, "Oh, well, I'm going to take next week off. No. I'm going to be in the house of God. You've got to pray and speak life. Declare those promises. The end, my household will be saved. Maybe you said me and my household will be saved, and your household is sitting here today. Well, God's going to save them. Amen. God's going to save them. God's going to save them. He's going to get a hold of their heart and their life. He's going to bring them out of that dark place. He's going to restore their life because He's a restorer. He said, deliver me because He knows how to hide us. Teach me to do Thy will for Thou art my God. That's empowering knowledge. Amen. Empowering knowledge. Teach me. Teach me that I've got power in my prayers that I can declare the things that I want to see come to pass spiritually in my life. I'm taking this city. Amen. I'm going to take this city for Jesus Christ. We're going to be a lighthouse in this city, we're going to see the harvest one in this city. Oh, almighty God, thy spirit is good. Ooh. Because spirit is good why would David say thy spirit is good you know people they love God in the beginning they feel his presence oh but then you'll notice that later in life when conviction shows up they don't like it there have been people that came in said, oh I felt the presence of God in the service But then they began to be convicted by the word, and they were like, Up, let's go. We're not going to stay here. I had two women one time. They came in. They were weeping and crying, worshiping God. Holy Ghost anointing upon the worship team in the service. It was beautiful. God was here. I began to preach. I saw the woman. She stood up. She goes, Let's get out of here. This is oppressing. I thought, The word of God, that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, dividing bone marrow spirit soul it's dividing it's dealing it's you know so all you've ever heard is about a God that will bless never confronts never challenges never chastens it's just a bubble gum cotton candy gospel amen it's a never mind I'm going to say his name it's one of them televangelist preachers that will tell you only good 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 Here's your sweet Krispy Kreme donut. Live any way you want. You can live with somebody that's not your husband or your wife. Sleep with them. Live in the same house, not married for five years, and sit in the same church and never, ever blink that that might be wrong. Why? It's not preached. All it's preached is God wants to bless you. You are a champion, and we are in Christ. Christ. But in sin, in the eyes of God, amen, you know what we are? We're an abomination whenever we're not living like we're supposed to. A lot of things people are involved in. So if you're going to be a Christian, you need to hear the word of God in order to live the way you're supposed to live. That's why we have to have the word. You can't get mad and say the preacher's oppressing. I said, I didn't write the letter. I'm just preaching what's here. Amen. Now, I'm closing. I promise. He said the spirit is good. Conviction is cherished again. It leads to an existence of uprightness. Because he says this. Quicken me. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord. For thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Quicken me. Quicken me for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Quicken everything spiritual in me. The graces, the love, the faith, the confidence, the assurance. Quicken everything in me. <sighs> bring me up out of that place. Bring me from that place where I have grown detest it's become detestable or become something that I look at and disdain the things that you've done bring back that newfound joy that hope that love that excitement that discovery you know that if you will stay before the Lord when when I first when I, let me let me go back here when I first got saved and I began to get into the word I was like oh my gosh this is so awesome I'm listening to preachers. I'm opening the word of God and all of this. But you know, you can get to a place and don't anybody tell me you can't because you can and there have been many in here that have, myself included, that you get to the place to where the word of God does not excite you like it once did. Cameron will tell me, Dad, I'm reading this and I'm reading this. I read this whole book and I'm just, can you believe this? Can you believe that? Can you, did you know this? Did you, I'm like, yes. Just, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Because it's a reminder to me. There's an excitement in the word of God. We have to have that relationship. And it can be renewed in us. Quicken me. Quicken that in me. Amen. God will take you to the next level in the word of God. He'll quicken that in you. He'll quicken what you already knew and remind you. That's why people will say, I always knew it. But God had to remind me. He's still faithful. He's still faithful. I'm going to share this. I'm going I'm to have Lupe come. Is she here today? Where's Lupe at? Come up here, sis. I want you to get on the piano. Cameron, will you help her turn that piano on and everything? Years ago... I was going through a low point in my life. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'd sinned against God. It was private. Nobody knew but me and God. And I did not feel like I could be restored. I said, I have broken God's law transgressed his law the devil told me you're done God doesn't love you he's thrown you away I've shared this many times but God wants me to repeat it today and I remember sitting right here And I said God not only am I a Christian but I'm a pastor of this church and I don't even have enough spiritual energy faith, hope feeling nothing to even get up from here. And God said what does the word of God say? That's all he said to me. I am so thankful that I remember the scripture where he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. And I said, Lord, can you forgive me? And he said, he is faithful and just to forgive if you'll confess your faults, confess your sins. The devil said God won't forgive you and God said my word is truth <laughs> and it brings faith he said quoted again I said if we sin you are faithful and just if we'll confess it faithful and just to forgive us wash us and cleanse us and I said Lord Will you forgive me and the Spirit of God begin to come upon me? He said what you needed to do was be reminded in your lowest point. You needed to be reminded that I love you and I have not thrown the clay away. That I will in no wise cast out those that come unto me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you'll come unto me. I fell in that altar and that day the devil lost again. He's a faithful God. Amen. Faithful and true. If you're here this morning and you're not where you need to be in God Today is your day of salvation. Today is your moment. Listen, some of you are here this morning and you're not where you need to be. And you know, I just want to say this. I don't want to focus on how bad you are. I want to tell you what you're missing. You're missing the very blessedness of God and His Spirit. He wants to wrap his arms around you and love you. He wants to restore you. He wants to bless you one more time, like he did at one time in your life. Will you let him today? It's up to you. It's up to you. Church, let me tell you something. I'm going to say this world is circling the drain. This world is circling the drain. There's not a political party. There's not a politician. There's not a government that's going to change what's taking place. It's biblical. It's happening. It's where we're living. You might as well just get in this ark and sail on home to glory. Work while it's day here upon this earth, but to put your security and your hope and your dreams and your ambitions and admirations and everything into this life, you're wasting your time. Because the Lord can come back at any moment. We've got a lunatic over across the seas that's got his finger on the nuclear button. If you haven't read the news, you need to know that. The whole world is scrambling. I'm just going to share with you the severity of Sweden. Said we're not even going to address the fact that we think Russia is the one that messed up that pipeline. We're not even going to touch that. We're just going to go over here and let him bully us in a corner. We don't want to get involved in a conflict. There are nations that are scared to death. Church, we're living in very tempestuous, dark times. Jesus is coming back. Will you be in that number? God brought you here today to save you or restore you. And in the process, He will restore your marriage. He will bless your marriage. You just happen to come on a day when He's dealing with people's hearts and lives. Let this be your divine appointment where you meet with God today. Because He loves you. Don't be that person that said, what is this? This is so awesome. This is such a blessing from God. But now I'm at a place where I'm like, what is this? I don't want anything to do with this anymore. What happened to you? What happened to you? Years ago, I saw teenage boys sitting on the side of the road drinking alcohol. I drove past them, and God said, go over there and minister to them. And I said, I don't want to. The Lord said, drive back around. I drove again again, again and again, like five times. The Lord said, you need to go there. I started to go to my house. And just like that, the Spirit of God said, what happened to you? What happened to you? You used to go to the streets, and you'd walk right up to the gang members. You'd walk right up to the face of people over here on Gray Street and Pacific and Rosecrest. You were all over the place. You were in the parks. You were ministering to people. What happened to you, preacher? See, You got a little success. Your church grew. You don't have to plead with me every week to pay the bills and see you got comfortable. And now you found yourself. And if you're not careful, you'll be like Eli. And the light will go out in that temple on your watch. And there won't be a continued legacy of the Spirit of God moving. What happened to you? I drove back around there and I jumped out of there and four or five of those boys sitting there, I said, boys, I want to tell you something. At 13, 14, 15 years of age, what you're zipping on right there is not going to lead you to any place but to be destroyed. The enemy wants to destroy you. Do you know how many people I've preached to in the prisons that started as teenagers drinking alcohol? Then they went to marijuana. Then they started with drugs. And the next thing you know, then they got so addicted, they had to become criminals to support their habit. And today they're sitting in a jail cell or a prison cell. I said, I don't want that to be you. So I'm screaming in your ear, and I don't care what you think about what I'm saying. This one kid goes, We don't want to hear this And I said you may not want to hear it I said but I don't want you to end up Like I've seen other people for 20 years I plead with you He put his head down And he said you're right Pastor you're right I gave him those cards I told him please I beg you to come to church Come I started sharing with him I don't know where they're at today But I got in that car, and the anointing came upon me. God said, see, what happens is we become comfortable. Beware when you're full. Beware when you're full. I'm trying to deal with people. Today is your day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Biggest lie the devil ever told anybody. You've got tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow promised to you. Father, today... I've done what you asked me to do. I'm pleading with you to draw by your spirit people in this church. Draw by your spirit. Let them not leave this place except they make things right with you. Please. God, we must come and repent and believe. We must come and repent and believe. We must come, God, and surrender our lives. Oh, God. Oh.